The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the fourth chapter. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and he said to them, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The gospel of our Lord. Dear saints, great storms arise in our lives from time to time. And we worry, we experience anxiety, fear, and even loss. What's your best source of comfort when you are suffering? And for many people, there's no book of the Bible that speaks more helpfully to them in their time of loss than our source for the Old Testament reading this morning, the book of Job. It's an honest examination of all of the raw emotions that we experience when overtaken by loss. And it gives its readers the idea that someone else actually knows just how they feel. This brutally honest book reveals sympathy for sufferers unmatched elsewhere. Job suffered in the vital areas of family, health, and material possessions. And just when he thought that he was doing everything right, well, everything fell apart. It went wrong for him. He refused, however, to accept the role of a victim. Satan sought to discover if Job served God out of self-interest because of all of the blessings that God had given him or out of an unconditional trust in God. Nowhere in Job's debate with his three friends over the reason why there is suffering did he place his hope in his wealth, in his friends, or in his own wisdom and his own experiences. Job never entertained the thought of giving up his faith in God. Rather, he desperately wanted to experience God's active healing presence in his life. As he questioned what God was doing and cried out to God for some relief from his heartache. Job represents to us everyone who seems to be suffering more than seems necessary. Since God is God, he will do things that we cannot comprehend. And we will act in ways 
which we don't always understand. A God we could fully understand, well, that wouldn't be a God at all. The Bible links the mystery of suffering with that mystery of God. It sees suffering as a communication from God rather than as a punishment for specific sins that we might have committed. And the book of Job doesn't make light of life's unfairness. It points out that life's unfairness doesn't call God's goodness into question. If there was no suffering, how would we develop compassion? If there were no emergencies to handle our crises to deal with, how would we develop courage? When things go wrong for us, we can too quickly conclude that all of life's unjust and un- is unjust and unfair because of our losses that swamp our perspective on life. And much like the disciples in our gospel lesson today, when in despair, in suffering, we often question others, don't you care? Now, it's, it's a question accusing of a lack of empathy. And this question also assumes the answer, well, it's no, they don't care. Unfortunately, in a world which is more concerned with satisfying selfish desires and looking only to please ourselves, this assumption is often correct. Many people just don't care anymore. They only care for themselves. And we only have to look around and see the people that are willing to volunteer in their communities and to support charities to see those dwindling numbers of people that do care. And what's even scarier is that even some of those who regularly hear the gospel of God, who cares for the outcast, the leper, the sinner, and the tax collector, well, they, they no longer care either. And if any Christians do reach out to anyone, it's often because they want to prop up the church budgets or feel good about their own generosity or want more bottoms on seats again because, well, we want to relive this age of Christendom where the churches are full. And there are times when even I feel like you and I don't care. As fallen sinners, we're often more concerned for ourselves than those in need. And that leads us to the question that we hear today in the gospel, don't you care? And it's asked of Jesus. Now, in one sense, you can understand how the disciples might ask this of Christ. They're battling through a storm, possibly fearing for their lives, and there's Jesus. He's just sound asleep up there in the boat. And in the gospel of Mark, it actually says he's sitting on a cushion. But what did they expect Jesus to do? Was he going to hop up and bucket water out of the boat with them? Was he going to take a turn at the tiller of the boat or pulling on the oars? 
What were they expecting of him? Surely they weren't expecting him to stop the storm, were they? To do that would mean that they fully expected him to have authority over creation. And well, let's face it, no human can do that because only the one true God who spoke creation into being would be able to do that. So no, to expect this of him would be ridiculous. And in a similar way, when we accuse Jesus of not caring, what are we expecting him to do? Do we really expect him to make all the storms of our life just stop? Do we expect him to make sure that we always live a perfectly calm and peaceful life for the whole time that we're here on this earth? And if that's what we are expecting of him, would he also ask us the same question that he asked the disciples? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And the the sad and scary fact is storms, they will and they do come into our lives. And sometimes they're the natural storms of winds and waves, earthquakes, fires, floods, droughts, and even tornadoes. And sometimes they're the human-made storms of terrorism, greed, apathy, and war. And sometimes they're the localized storms within family life as we face conflicts, unfaithfulness, and change. Sometimes they're the storms of age and health concerns as our bodies deteriorate and they suffer. And sometimes they're storms of the mind and of the heart as we face things like depression, grief, anger, and inner turmoil. And while it's easy to trust God when everything's calm, it's harder to trust him when things go wrong and we wonder if he's asleep and can't hear our cries or whether he doesn't even care. And and in order to see if he really cares, we might wonder how to wake him up to our needs. In order to get his attention, we might try to maybe bargain with him, make a deal. Perhaps if we pray the right prayers, study the Bible more, have longer devotions, throw ourselves into church activities, or even promise, oh, we promise we're never going to sin again. He'll care enough to give us the answer that we are wanting and we are waiting for. And sometimes we're, a, we're tempted. We're tempted to say, wake up, Jesus. Look at me. See what I've done for you. And if I'm not good enough, then have pity on me and on my situation. Look at my pain, my tears, and my faith. After all, don't you care? So let's consider that question again. Does Jesus care for us? Well, he could have stayed far away from us, safe in heaven, protected from pain, 
and death. He could have left us to our own devices. He could have jumped ship and given up on the people like us who don't always get what it is to have faith in God, who does care, even when the storms are not taken away. He has good reason to ignore us because we don't care enough for him or for his people or because we don't do what he asks of us to stay within the boundaries that he sets. Does Jesus care? As our creator, does he care enough to speak to those chaotic waters at creation and say, so far, don't go any further? Does he care enough to walk in our broken world to wear human skin and to feel human pain, temptation, and the frailties of human life? Does he care enough to patiently and lovingly teach the scared the impulsive and the ordinary people about trusting God, even when they always seem so slow to learn? Does he care enough to touch the scarred, the broken, the sick, the ostracized and the dying? Does he care enough to face the storms of unbelief, disobedience, charges of blasphemy, beatings, spitting, whippings, nail piercing, and even death? And still pray to his father, not my will, but your will be done. Even though it's his father's will meant, even though his father's will meant suffering and death. Does he care enough to take our place? Does he care enough to take our place on the cross and to die for us in order to save sinners like us? from the punishment of death, from the devil's deceptive schemes, and even from our own sinful selves. Does Jesus care? The answer is that our God cares so much that he sent Jesus to be with us through the storms, in our sickness, to complete the law. It is finished to complete the law for us, to be beaten and to die in our place, and to accompany us through the valley of the shadow of death. He's with us, his scared and frightened disciples, the Lord of creation with us in our storms. He is true to his name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. So to answer the question of whether he cares or not, Jesus asked his own accusing questions back to the frightened disciples after he calmed the storms. And his answer is almost like Jesus is saying, look, guys, I'm here. I'm here, right here with you. You've just seen me do some of more of my majesty. If you haven't figured it out yet, you'll soon figure out who I really am. So when I'm with you, have faith, have courage, trust me. Even when it seems like I'm not paying attention, when I'm asleep. Here in the church called, let's back that up, here in the ship that we call the church, even when it's 
battered by the winds and the waves of our times, Jesus is here with us. He still speaks words that do what they say. He still speaks his powerful words of love and forgiveness to to us, which cleanses troubled and storm-tossed consciences. He still feeds us his words, helping our struggling faith to grow and to mature even during times of heartache and pain. God cares. The Lord Jesus Christ is with us, so have courage. Now there's a saying that reads, sometimes God calms the storm and sometimes he lets the storm rage and calms his child. And so Jesus, with a word, brings peace, calmness, reconciliation, and new hope, a new life. And sometimes he may calm the storm outside of you. And sometimes he calms the storm within you while the storm contagious, continues to rage without. Christ is here with us. He has claimed us as his own, as his adopted, anointed, chosen children. He forgives us with his word, creating calmness and peace where once was a raging storm. He nourishes our fragile faith with the real presence of his body and blood. And one day, he'll raise us to live in his eternal peace where chaos and storms and evil have no place. Come, Lord Jesus. As people who know God cares for us, we too are able to care for others in their own storm-tossed lives. We can show care and compassion for the lonely, for the isolated, for the despairing, and for the suffering. In our Old Testament reading again, Job himself has acknowledged that he is sure of his safety with God. For I know that my Redeemer lives And that at last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Job 19. Our Redeemer living again was the unexpected outcome on Good Friday. The events of Good Friday demonstrate to us that God hasn't abandoned us in our our own pain and our own loss. Human suffering is so significant that God shares it with us. Job's suffering point to those of our suffering is, is the Savior Jesus Christ, and it's God's ultimate demonstration of justice. Jesus suffered without consolation and comfort on the cross so that his suffering might be our comfort in our own suffering. Our sufferings come to us to, well, to make us more Christ-like. We suffer with Christ so that we may also be glorified with him. Romans eight seventeen. Through suffering, we discover that Jesus is our first and our greatest need both for the present and for the future. Our suffering has meaning and value beyond that we can comprehend in the present. 
And Job learned that we cannot evaluate God's actions on the basis of the small piece of reality that we experience. We can, however, trust God for the bigger picture, that he has all the loose threads of the lives of all of his creatures in his hands. A short story before I conclude. There was a a couple who fostered three small children whose lives had been devastated by witnessing their mother kill their father and then being arrested. And on the first night the children were in this couple's care, they read together the creation account in Genesis 1. The husband explained that the children had experienced such a sudden and violent loss that they needed to know there was something on which they could still rely. To hear about God's well-ordered, good world in the presence of adults who would stand by them would be the first step to restoring a sense of trust in those children. God's message about creation, it serves a similar function to Job. Life's problems need good, close relationships with others rather than merely good reasons for why things happen. And the book of Job tells us to avoid judging the suffering of others. Instead, we're to ask the Lord to lead us to those who suffer like we do and to listen to them, pray for them. Our own burdens are easier to bear when we help others bear their burdens. Lord, you are our help in trouble. In darkness, come as light. In our sadness, come as joy. In our troubles, come as peace. In our weakness, come as strength. Redeem, renew, and restore us. Knowing that Jesus is with us, we can have courage to care for people, our neighbors and our communities and throughout the world. Through our generosity and our prayers, we can care for those whose lives are threatened by things such as abortion as well as their mothers. We can care for troubled teenagers who need to know God loves them. And we can care for people affected both by natural and man-made storms. While we can't always make their storms become still, we can pray on their behalf to the one who does care for them. We may even have opportunity to be with them and help them grow Encourage in faith by sharing the hope that we have through the word of God, which reassures us of a God who cares for us through his son, Jesus Christ. We can bring them his words of peace through the gospel. So brothers and sisters in Christ, as you feel threatened in your own storm-tossed life, And as you care for those around you who feel battered by life's storms, have courage, have faith. God cares. The Lord Jesus Christ is with you. Trust him. 
even during those times where it seems that, well, maybe he's sleeping. So that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Should we uh, share in another hymn?